Hi, everyone. Hmm. So um, we're going to begin with a 25 minute or so sitting guided meditation that will be a combination of basic mindfulness practice with some gratitude and loving kindness practice. Um, and then uh, I'm going to speak a bit about one way to bring or extend practice into our everyday lives. Um, and I'm going to talk about the way that we can um, bring a practice attitude towards the way we eat. Um, but it, and it, it'll be a little bit about what's ordinarily thought of as mindful eating. But um, I, I have, uh, I think, a few thoughts that I'd like to share that go a little bit beyond, I think, um, the, the, the traditional ways that, that uh, mindful eating is usually discussed. Um, and um, when we get to those remarks, you'll see why we're um, doing some gratitude and uh, loving kindness practice before we get into that discussion. So um, please get into comfortable position and just feel your body sitting. Feel the contact your body is making with the seat beneath you. And let your awareness leisurely scan the body as a whole, noticing places where you feel tension. or other kinds of sensations. Just feel how the body's doing as it sits here. And let your awareness move gradually down from the head where it's probably spent much of the day. into the torso, the belly, the pelvic region. Your legs and your feet. Now, please bring your awareness to the center of your chest. The breastbone or sternum area. And just feel the sensations there that are produced by the rise and fall of your chest as you breathe in and out not controlling the breath in any way, letting the breath just come and go at its own rhythm. How does the center of your chest feel? Do you feel any tightness, rigidity? Perhaps some rawness, tenderness. Or perhaps for some of you, this area feels warm, soft and open. Just notice how it is. 
as you continue breathing, just feel how the sensations here in the center of the chest, no matter what they're like, hard or soft, closed or open, how those sensations alter, if only very subtly, throughout the course of each inhalation and exhalation. Not trying to force it to feel any particular way, but just noticing how it feels. Anytime thoughts carry away from the breath in the chest, just notice that that's happened and gently bring your awareness back, feeling the rise and fall of the chest. Now, as you continue following the breath here in the center of the chest, I'd like you to bring to mind someone for whom you feel deep love and gratitude. Someone who's just been there for you, supported you, cared about you. And continuing to feel the breath here in the chest, bring this person to mind as vividly as you can in whatever way seems most natural. Bring their image to mind, recalling things they've said or done, perhaps recalling how it felt to be held by them. and breathe their presence into your chest along with the breath. And as you think about all the reasons you are bringing this person to mind, picturing them, take a moment and just say silently, thank you to this person for being a part of your life. We too rarely pause to feel and express gratitude for the things that matter so much to us. So please take this moment to acknowledge your gratitude for this person's presence in your life. <clears throat> Now I'd like you to just take a moment to regard your body sitting here. And each of us has a body in, with, in different conditions. Some of us are physically more able than others, healthier than others. Perhaps some of us are struggling with illness, perhaps serious illness, and yet each of us 
has the capacity to be here in this moment, sitting together with the rest of us. Please take a moment to thank your body for being here, sustaining you, supporting you in this moment. We're breathing, we're able to hear, we're able to sit. That's worthy of thanks. Now please take a moment and think back through your day and recall a moment today that you witnessed something, perhaps it was the act of a person you know or a stranger, perhaps it was a beautiful sight outside, looking at the sky or at the trees, perhaps it was something else, something that even if you did not take a moment to feel gratitude in that moment, that looking back, you realize, wow, that was something that was special. Even if it was a small moment, someone holding a door open for you or pausing and asking you genuinely how you're doing. Just a smile exchanged between you and someone else. or the taste of a piece of fruit you might have eaten. And please take a moment to give thanks for that moment. And finally, please take a moment to just think of the fact that we are all sitting here together in community, in virtual community, to be sure, but nonetheless together as a group, supporting each other in this practice, sharing this practice together. However well you do or do not know each other, in this group, please take a moment to give thanks for this community. I know I'm grateful for it. Thank you all for being here. We're going to transition now into a few minutes of loving kindness practice. And for this first phase of this practice, we're gonna take ourselves as the object of meditation. So thinking of ourselves as we are now, or perhaps some of you may prefer to picture yourself at a different age, perhaps when you're younger. Please repeat the following line silently to yourself, directing these sentiments towards yourself. And if you don't feel anything in particular as you say these lines, don't worry. Just notice how it feels to attempt to wish yourself well. And if the heart feels closed, 
if the heart doesn't feel anything in particular, no warmth, no love, no care, just notice that and let it be. And perhaps have a bit of compassion for yourself that the heart is closed. And just remember that the heart cannot be forced. So just be kind to it as it is. So to begin, the first line is, may I be safe. May I be at peace. May I be free from suffering. And may I dwell in the open heart. And again, if your heart doesn't feel open, if it feels closed, can you hold that with compassion and mercy? So one more round. May I be safe. May I be at peace. May I be free from suffering. And may I dwell in the open heart. And as we move into the second phase of this practice, please remember to keep your awareness, at least partly in the center of your chest. So for this phase, please bring to mind someone for whom you have warm, loving feelings. It can be the person you thought of initially when we did the gratitude practice, or it could be someone else, someone for whom you feel deep care and love. And thinking of this person, please repeat these lines. May you be safe. May you be at peace. May you be free from suffering. And may you dwell in the awakened heart. And wish for them that their heart be open and awakened as we wish it for ourselves. One more round for this person. May you be safe.
May you be at peace. May you be free from suffering. And may you dwell in the awakened heart. For this third and final phase of this practice, you can either take all beings as your object, or if that seems too hard to imagine, you can take just some more limited group, like perhaps the people here at the sitting with you or some other group of people who you might want to bring to mind. But the traditional final phase is for all beings. So may all beings be safe. May all beings be at peace. May all beings be free from suffering. And may all beings dwell in the open heart. For the rest of this meditation period, we're gonna just practice some basic mindfulness. So please continue following the breath in the center of the chest, but include in your awareness as well, the sounds in the space around you. Open yourself to all the sounds around you while you continue feeling the chest rise and fall. And when thoughts pull you away, just say thinking to acknowledge that and come back to breath and sound.
Okay, that's good. It's been 25 minutes. Please feel free to move your body, get comfortable. I'll begin talking in just a moment. Okay. Hi, everyone. So, um, you know, I'm going to talk about um, eating um, as practice, but really, I think um, what's motivating me to talk about this is just some. Um, thinking that it was worth saying a bit about the importance of um, bringing practice off the cushion, right? You know, making sure that we recognize and then put into action the fact that um, practice uh, isn't something, meditation isn't something that we just do when we're doing formal sitting practice, that it's something that, um, that I think to, to really transform our lives um, and for us to really experience the deep fruits of needs to be um, extended into all aspects of our everyday lives. And, um, and so I think a number of you already do this, um, but in case um, meditation is something that's still relatively new to you, or if perhaps you've been practicing meditation for a long time, but just never really thought to, 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 to try to bridge that gap between formal practice and informal practice in everyday life, I just really want to encourage everyone um, to, 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 to try, just at least start doing it. Um, and in some very basic ways, it, 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 it's, it can be very simple. It just means um, doing things with awareness, right? Um, like uh, when you fold the laundry, right? Um, when you wash the dishes, just to do some version of what we've been doing while we're sitting still like this, which is especially in the last few minutes of our practice together tonight, of just being aware of how the body feels feeling um, the warmth of the water when we're washing dishes, um, you know, really attending to the clothes um, when we fold them. For me, it's on my bed. I don't know where you guys do your laundry. Um, and and um, to not be using those as those activities, those wonderful, beautiful everyday activities as um, times to kind of space out or perhaps distract yourself. You know, um, uh, there's no need to have the radio on, you know, or, um, or anything really else going on except the activity that we're engaged in at that moment. I don't think you have to necessarily, especially if this is kind of relatively new, I don't think we have to be like, you know, super hardcore about it. Like, I just mean like once in a while, you know, letting a certain basic everyday activity be um, an opportunity, a moment of practice. Um, uh, one that I won't talk about at length um, tonight, but that I think is, is a really beautiful and easy one to incorporate into everyday life is to turn walks, like just when you walk, from one building to another, if we're on a campus or your car to your place of work or um, into the grocery store or wherever you may be walking 
during everyday life uh, to bring mindfulness to that activity, um, which I think is so simple because it can just mean feeling the contact that your feet make with the ground as you walk. And also perhaps adding to that an awareness of the sounds that you hear around you. Um, and I think one wonderful sound to, be, to use as a, um, as a kind of foundational anchor is the sound that your feet make when they touch the ground. So you're feeling your feet touch the ground, but also can you hear your footfalls? Um, there's almost no situation in which there won't be something to hear, right? Um, if, at this time of year, for those of you who are in the Northeast, you're gonna hear um, the gritty rubbing of salt, right? And dirt under you as you walk on the sidewalks, right? Um, it's actually quite easy to hear that. But even on grass, soft grass in the spring or in the summer, right? You can you can hear the um, the slight crunch or the give of the grass, um, the leaves of grass, the um, the soil giving way, and so um, you know, just like we used the breath and sounds as an anchor for this practice, just use the feel of your feet and the sounds of your footfalls as an anchor when you walk. And then when you notice that you become completely lost in thought, then just come back to those anchors. It's a really wonderful, very simple practice to incorporate into one's life. So it's like the beautiful thing is there are no rules for this. I mean, you can, you can do anything mindfully. You can take a shower mindfully. You can brush your teeth mindfully, right? You can do this. And so it's, there's just however creative you want to be. And, um, and uh, so, um, and I think one of the most amazing activities to bring mindful awareness to, because it's such a profound one, is the activity of eating. You know, can we eat with awareness? And, um, and I say this without judgment, because I, you know, um, but it's just, because I don't know, you know, for all I know, some of you may do this, I don't want you to think, I'm but it's like, it's, it is amazing, right, how um, so many people seem to take eating as a time to do something else, right, to look at their phones, or watch a show, or something, you know, or, um, and um, as if the food didn't really deserve our attention as just a pretext for just like doing something else, right? That the real fun thing to do is to watch Netflix, you know, or YouTube or something. Um, and, um, and I think it's just, it's, it's, it's a lost opportunity. It's just a shame because, um, you know, there is no food that doesn't deserve our attention, you know, doesn't have to be gourmet. Doesn't even have to be particularly healthy. It doesn't have to taste good, right? It's just by by virtue of being something that will nourish our bodies, right? Something that has been grown, cultivated by someone. And even, of course, if it goes through a lot of processing, still, you know, it's still something that is um, is feeding us, literally, is nourishing us, and for that very reason, deserves our attention. So. Um, so if you ever have, if you haven't, if you've never engaged in mindful eating, it's just pay attention while you eat. It's like so simple, right? There's nothing, there's no, there's no like magic formula to it. Um, just feel, you know, just look at the food, be conscious of the activity of putting it into your mouth and be aware of the experience of chewing and swallowing that food and even feeling it settle into your stomach. Um, it's kind of astonishing what can happen, what you can discover when you just do this much, when you just slow down and eat food with awareness. Uh, you, you suddenly taste things that you just, you know, were oblivious to, you know. Um, you, you feel textures right? Um, you just experience the food more deeply in all sorts of ways. So it's, um, it's not exactly, we're not exactly doing this to enhance the aesthetic pleasure of eating, but it does, you know, it, it, it makes eating, I think, um, just a much richer experience. Um, I think, um, 
And it, you don't need to, by the way, eat slowly to do this. I remember actually, like, I think I'd read some books about meditation practice before I moved to the, um, the Zen Center uh, in, in Santa Rosa, California. And I think I had so absorbed this idea that to eat mindfully meant to eat like super slowly. Like, you know, you just chew, chew, chew. And I'll just, I just, I don't know if I've told you guys this story, but it's so mortifying. Like I had my first formal, I think what we call Oriyoki meal. Like, so it's like, you know, it's, it's in the Zendo. It's a big, you know, it's a ritual service of food and you have these three beautiful bowls of food laid out in front of you and you eat them. And it's during um, a retreat, right? So I remember getting to my first Oriyoki meal and I was going to eat it like super mindfully because isn't that what one does? And, um, and I didn't, and I remember just being like halfway through my first bowl of food. And I had like two others I hadn't even touched yet, like the first bowl of food and everyone else in the Zendo was done. <laughs> and I think they were glaring at me because their knees were hurting and they were sitting there, right? And they're like, okay, the, the noob over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like putting on the show of being super spiritual by eating slowly, right? And they're all like, okay, like, I just really want to get up now. <laughs> and so it only took me that one time experience to learn my lesson, which is that I like internalized this like fantasy, this idea that to eat mindfully, you had to eat really slowly, but actually you could eat mindfully at any pace. And I really discovered that actually you can eat at a pretty good pace, but pay perfect attention. Of course, eating slowly is a different kind of experience. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's just like, I just had this idea that like mindful is meant to be super slow. Just like people might imagine that walk mindfully means that you have to walk super slowly. But actually, you can walk mindfully in a way that no one would know that you're doing it, right? You're just walking at a regular pace. So, in, um, um, <clears throat> so anyway, that was a good lesson. Um, uh, and one, it took me a few weeks to like try to get over. Um, but I think actually, so this is like the initial thing that I want to say, just like basic, like bring awareness, just very simply bring awareness to everyday life. Um, and when you do that, it's like what we get from sitting meditation just becomes exponentially more powerful. Um, so the two feed each other, formal sitting practice and this in, these informal practices in everyday life. Um, you start to be able to notice thought patterns, emotional reactions in everyday life much more quickly, much more clearly. So that, you know, when you, you know, the way that we notice thoughts when we're sitting on a cushion, you can, you can do that just much more readily when you're just going about every day. So that then we're having a, uh, an interaction with someone that might go in an emotionally difficult dire uh, direction for you. You can, because you've been crossing over, right, from formal to informal practice, you can start to sense like, okay, I can feel my, my chest getting tighter. I can feel a little agitation emerging and maybe have the presence of mind to not indulge in whatever kind of reactivity that you might ordinarily engage in. And it can transform how you are with others um, and how you are just in all aspects of your everyday life. But there's one thing that I think is missing from um, everything I've just said and it's something that I've actually been thinking a lot about recently, which is that I think um, mindfulness in the way that I've described it, just sort of being aware is crucial, necessary, foundational, important, but I feel like not enough. And I think that what I've come to appreciate, and this is something that's I think I've only really begun to appreciate fully recently, the last few years, um, is that um, there's a way in which we can engage mindfully with certain kind of activities like eating or walking and still, and I don't know if anyone can relate to this, still feel like we're kind of holding ourselves back a bit, like we're just observing ourselves, maybe with a lot of clarity, not like dissociated or anything like that, but like just like observing ourselves going about our everyday life rather than being fully in it. Like the, the, the distinction I like to make is like, instead of mindfully eating, just eat, 
you know, it's like the, the, the epitome of eating in a with a practice spirit is not even being aware, but just eating, doing nothing but eating. You know, when you're walking, just walk. You know, that those phrases like, what chop wood, carry water. When you do something, just do that thing. And I think mindfulness is on the way to this kind of embeddedness in life where there's no separation between you and what you're doing. And I actually think that one of the gateways into the experience is the heart. And so I'm really, I think, you know, what came to me earlier, and I might just like, you know, chuck this thought, this phrase later on, but what came to me like an hour ago as I was thinking about what I wanted to say tonight, so I think mindfulness needs to be complemented with heartfulness, you know, the, the presence of the heart in our activities. Um, and so there's one thing that I want to add, just, I'm not going to go through all the different kinds of examples, but I'm just going to stick with eating. And this is why actually I wanted to start with eating. When I pause and decide to take a meal in a mindful way, um, like I often have lunch on my own, or, or a breakfast on my own, rather, um, a bowl of oatmeal, you know, and um, and I'll put in a little bit of peanut butter, right? And I'll just be ready, I'll sit before me. And before I, I begin eating it, I'll actually like bow to it. And I'll just say, thank you. Thank you for, for, for being, thank you for nourishing me. Um, when we're eating those formal meals I just described, one of the lines that we'll chant before eating is we'll bow down, look at our food. We'll say a bunch of different things, but one of the lines I particularly love is 72 labors brought us this food. We should know how it comes to us, you know? And the reason that the number 72 is because that's the number of labors that were tradi traditionally involved um, in the work on a, on a Zen temple. So, you know, it's like all the people who are involved in temple life help bring you that food. I actually do something similar when I say thank you. As I say thank you, I just pause for a moment and think about the numberless beings, both human and non-human, who made it possible for this simple bowl of oatmeal to be before me or any kind of meal to be before us, right? And... Um, And I think it's it's a little bit like a, a Buddhist version of saying grace, right? Which I think is actually a beautiful activity that I think as this country has become more secular and I have no problem with that. It's just that, you know, it's just, I think um, it's one of the kind of beautiful things about a religiously oriented cultural life that sort of slipped away. And I actually think it's something worth preserving. I think people even who have, you know, no, no patience for, um, you know, sort of monotheistic or, or kind of religious practices where those come from can still find their own way of saying like in a fully secular, but also, you know, spiritual and open way, like, thank you, thank you for, for all the beings that made it possible for me to have this food. Um, and that for me is actually, I think, maybe even more important than all the mindful awareness that I might bring to the activity of eating in that moment. Um, it does, it, it, I feel it here in the center of my chest. It, it opens me to this moment, to this, to this experience. So when I'm um, eating, it's not just, you know, it's almost like mindfulness can sometimes be, it's not heady, but it's just like, oh, it's just, it's just like a, it's just, it's, it's, it's up here and it can, it can make the experience of, um, of, eating feel like it's just your whole being because the heart is involved as well. Um, and then it becomes just eat. Like the best way to, to be grateful, to appreciate this food is to eat it, <laughs> eat it with gusto, right? Eat it, you know, enjoy it. Um, you know, it's not to turn it into some kind of ascetic activity, like, oh, I should be really like pure about this and, you know, and like turn it into a big deal in my mind. No, no like eat, just eat. Um, but of course, that is that kind of achievement. That's the thing. Like we're so often doing something else. And I think that um, just one of the things that I've just, uh, this is maybe connected, feels connected to me, but I'm not sure it'll sound it to you, like it to you. But it's like, you know, so I've been practicing for, you know, over 30 years. And there are times where I, I kind of like focus on just mindfulness in this way that I've been talking about, just awareness. 
And it's almost like I'm waiting for something to happen. Now I'm, 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 wait, I'm, I'm thinking that if I just practice diligently in this way, that something will open up, you know, life will open up for me. And I think I've come to realize that actually, no, like leaning in and opening myself to life is actually necessary. Um, and especially opening my heart to life. And I, there's like, the thought that's occurred to me is like, without love, with experience of love um, and the warmth of the heart, like, what's the point of life? You know, what is like, what are we waiting for if we're not gonna like fully engage with our hearts in this moment and not wait for the next moment, you know? Um, so along with bringing mindfulness into our everyday life, I think one of the reasons I spent some time walking us through some gratitude and loving kindness practice, because I think those are ways to actually open up um, those, those everyday activities. So that they're not just places for us to practice, but for us to fully live. Like, because there's no other moment. What other moment are we waiting for to feel alive? Um, and I think there is like even practice, the practice of presence, mindfulness, even rigorous mindfulness practice can still be sort of ha haunted or shadowed by the sense it's getting us somewhere else. Like, you know, if I do this, then I'll achieve something, some kind of clarity, some kind of uh, awakeness or something. But actually like there is no other moment but this moment. And so there's, it's, it's, it's so urgent that we not defer. Um, Okay. Anyway. Oh, there's a question I got by email that's connected to this. And I'll just start, I'll open the floor for discussion Q&A by just addressing this question. Someone spoke um, or wrote to me an email saying, you know, she's really loving mindful eating, has incorporated into her life, um, but wonders how practice like mindful eating, which is silent in her, in her way of doing it and um, is, can be reconciled with the, the, the emphasis this practice puts on community and connection, right? Because it seems like a solitary activity in a way. And also like then how do like retreats connect with the importance of being connected with others? And I think it's not, a, um, it's not an either or. I think, um, first of all, I think, you know, if you're eating mindfully in community with others, it can be profoundly communal experience. So um, there's nothing not communal just because we're not having conversations. But let's say, for example, like one's partner doesn't practice, you know, or one's family members don't practice. And what I do is I actually take a meal on my own, like the breakfast meal, or sometimes at work and I eat in my office. Um, and um, I will just eat that mindfully. Um, but then at dinner, I focus on being with my family you know, just engaging with them in conversation, just being fully there for them, however they want to be there. But so I think it's like, it's, it's, it's not a black or white thing. It's not all or nothing, not one or the other. I think that um, taking those meals on my own, when I'm on my own, um, allows me, is part of the overall way of being more present with my family when I'm with my family or with others. So, um, so it might, and also it might be like, one thing that Thich Nhat Hanh recommends uh, in his book, Pieces Every Step, is like maybe just the first couple of minutes of a meal could be eaten mindfully in silence, but then it opens in the conversation, you know, um, because I think he too appreciates that one of the most important aspects of communal meals is conversation. So it's um, not as if the food has to be taken totally in silence for it to be a mindful experience. So anyway, I'll just, that's a kind of practical question, but. Um, I'll just open with that. And if anyone wants to share something about the practice tonight or just your own experiences with informal practice in everyday life, please do. I'm also not sure if what I said made sense. So if there's something that didn't make sense, though you might get me started again. So you might, I've just talked enough, so yeah.
Hi, Mary. Do you have something for us? Well, I just I'm going to break the silence. Oh, I it's mean, no. There's nothing wrong with silence. Don't worry. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe everybody's meditating on what you said, but everything was wonderful, and um, we're grateful for you. Oh, thanks, Mary. I'm grateful for you. But honestly, <laughs> I actually don't find the silence awkward at all. So it's don't oh, don't. Oh, okay. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, sometimes you know. People give a lecture and any questions and dead silence. Uh, no, I, this is different. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Bernie. Hi, Audrey. So nice to see you. <laughs> Good to see you again. Um, I'll just uh, chime in that uh, I totally relate, um, or in my own way, mm -hmm. uh, relate to that feeling of mm, not vigilance, but like almost surveillance. Because mm -hmm. I would, um, it's an old thing for me, but even like when I have my eyes closed and I'm stretching, for example, the way that I envision myself is like from another point looking onto my body or it's like from my eyes. Mm. And so it's like surveillance of myself doing something has always been like strong. Mm. Um, and I notice that with like walking meditation too, like that for sure happens where it's like, do I look like I'm walking very mindfully? Do I have grace? <laughs> like, are my steps perfectly solid? <laughs> like those are the thoughts that like come into my head and I watch myself like from a third person point of view yeah. onto myself and in one of the practice like I don't know an experience that has been really liberating was actually just dropping into body like of not watching and feeling more and when I do that something I actually do notice a difference now is like because my default is to surveillance, like, you know, mm -hmm. to conduct surveillance. Mm -hmm. And my steps will actually be more rigid and they won't fall and um, rest on the ground. They'll be like, um, you know, when you hold the baby and they're resisting, it's really hard to hold them. Mm -hmm. But if a baby's sleeping, then they just kind of mm -hmm. rest in your arms and it's actually easier to just let the weight fall. Mm -hmm. It feels like that, where it's like, I feel like I'm a baby that's resisting when I'm mm -hmm. surveilling myself. Mm -hmm. And like, a baby that is at ease and dropping weight when I fall into body mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I definitely do feel that. And, and, and I can't say that like dropping to body is my default. It's very mm -hmm. much like I always observe myself from a mm -hmm. different point of view, but also very curious how others, um, you know, experience that. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Audrey. One thing I, I sometimes um, tell my college students, uh, and they they often get a lot of like you know nods, is like when I was their age, when I would like do something simple like walk across a crosswalk, I was like watching myself walk across the crosswalk in my mind, like you know how did it look, and I think one of the gifts of of, of practice has been like now when I walk across the crosswalk. I just walked across a crosswalk. It's <laughs> something very simple. Um, and uh, it's, it would seem like such a small thing. And yet it makes such a difference. You know, um, I think um, I totally relate to what you're saying. And I think my example makes that really clear. I think what I was noted, what I've been noticing is even when I feel in the body, a certain kind of holding or withholding, I think that's like, this was like another level of um, even, um, 
like as if the heart is like holding back, like waiting for something to happen. And I think I can now sort of understand why actually Buddhist practice has all these different ways of cultivating certain states of mind, like gratitude, compassion, et cetera. Because I think it's it's actually they've rec- that the tradition has recognized that um, mindfulness practice, awareness practice on its own isn't sufficient to develop the heart to open to its full potential. And so I think I always kind of like didn't really take those as serious. I thought, you know, it'll come if I'm just sit, you know, enough. And I, I think I have a more appreciation now for why that those traditions of practice exist, you know. Um, also, you would know this line, Audrey, but it's um, actually I've been saying a, a, a brief gatha created by Thich Nhat Hanh when doing um, breath falling meditation from time to time that has really, I think, um, been powerful for me, which is when you inhale, say present moment, and exhale, only moment. You know, it's like, it's been a good re- present moment, only moment. I think this is a good reminder. It's not like, we're not just doing this like thing that's just, you know, supposed to get us somewhere else. Like this is the only moment. Like, can we live this moment as if it's the only one, you know? Yeah. It's 8.32. I've hold, held you guys late. I apologize. Um, even though it's like, can we sit for like half a minute together? Because I do like to end the night with a bit of silence. Okay. If you need to go, please do. But uh, I'll, I'll just tell you all when half, an, half, a, half a minute or so is up. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you all for being here. Thank you so much, Bernie. Mm. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Thank you, everyone.